Hey winner, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad you're here today and I'm really excited uh, to start a new series that's gonna be happening every month for a little bit here. And I'm gonna be bringing on moms who qualified for the 2020 Boston Marathon. And my goal with it is to share their struggle victory story to have the dream of qualifying for Boston to actually qualifying and 2020 is a little special this year because it it got postponed with COVID-19 and then obviously got canceled and some are going to get to run in 2021 but not all may make the cutoff because we have to re-register to try to get back in. So I'm bringing moms on here to share their story about struggle victory and I'm really thinking that you're going to get a lot out of these interviews because they're just ordinary moms just like you and me going after extraordinary goals, overcoming mental barriers, getting past their walls to mentally get stronger and tougher to really succeed and hit that goal that they have. Today's guest I'm really excited about her name is Anat Gottfried, and she's a first-time Boston Marathon qualifier, and she's from Chicago, actually originally from Israel, but she lives in Chicago now. She's a mama of three, and she started her running journey in 2006. The 2020 Boston Marathon would have been her victory run because she thrives off of a challenge and wanted a goal to separate her from ordinary runners. Today we dive into her runner journey and talk about the struggles of trying to get the necessary training in while performing all the roles that mother motherhood brings. I think you're really going to enjoy her in her story and one of the fun things about her story is how and where she met her husband. So tune in and you will find out. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host Gabe Cox and through this podcast I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so you can realize your full potential. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can move confidently toward your goals. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon, and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Well, welcome, Anat. I'm so excited to have you on the show with me today. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah. Well, before we get started and get really deep into your story, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about um, you and your family, kind of where you're from and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I am originally from Israel. I was born there um, and I grew up there. I went to the army there. So I was in the Air Force for four years. Um, and then nine years ago, I moved to the U.S. with um, my now husband. Um, so we lived in Miami for a couple years, moved to Chicago, downtown for a couple years, and then the northern suburbs. Um, so we've kind of been globetrotting a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but ever since, um, I think around, um, around the time when I was in the Army is when I really started, you know, exercising but then it slowly turned into like really competing and um in races and sort of progressively got a little more intense every year so, yeah yeah that's mm -hmm. cool yeah it sounds like you started in spins spin did you do spin classes did you go outside and do spin 
Um, so yeah, I started in spin classes, basically in the, in the air force. I know it sounds like you're probably super active in the air force, but I was a computer programmer. So I was very static. Okay. And that is what led me to, um, to join a gym. And I decided, um, I joined the gym and I said, okay, I'm going to try every single class and see what I like. And once I did the spin class, I just, I stopped there because, um, in Israel, everything is very, very thoughtful. And so um, every playlist is curated like a DJ. Um, it's totally dark. There's a disco ball. It's kind of like a cult following. It's always the same people. They want to sit in their specific spot. Right. And I sort of, you know, fell into this group. And, you know, if I wasn't in a class, people would be like, where's it not? Like, why is she not here? And so that sort of got me into the fitness as far as a routine. Mm -hmm. um, I, I used to swim uh, with my mom. My mom was a, a swimmer, so I used to go swimming with her. But I only, I only went swimming with her because she'd buy me coffee afterwards, like a cappuccino. So <laughs> I sort of always did that, but I never really got into it in like a regular basis until spin class. Um, then I was in, uh, an exchange student at University of Pennsylvania for a semester um, in computer science. And there was a girl there who was the Israeli squash champion. Oh, wow. And um, I went to spin classes at UPenn, and they were horrible. I mean, it was literally a teenager putting on her, her iPod playlist and okay. <laughs> running it. And I said, okay, this is not the experience I'm used to. <laughs> um, and then my friend, she said, you know, why don't you come running with me? And at first, I really just sort of wanted to exercise and the company. And so at first, I started by just joining her on her runs. I literally could not breathe um, like midway through the run. It was really, really hard. I remember it. Um, but then eventually, you know, it used to be that she'd call me and ask me if I wanted to go for a run. And then after a while, like she'd get busy. And so I started calling her and asking her if she could go for a run. And then eventually there were days where she couldn't go for a run. And then I started running by myself too. Um, and she basically told me, she told me I'd run a marathon, which I did not believe her at all. Um, and then she told me when I get back to Israel to just sign up for every 10K race that there is. Okay. And so I said, said, okay, sure, I can do that. So I came back to Israel. I signed up for all the races. Mm -hmm. um, and I just did them like every, I had a race every weekend. Um, and I just, I raced and did 10 Ks. Um, eventually from there, um, one of my running coaches got me into triathlons. And so I did a women's triathlon in, um, in Israel, in Herzliya, um, which is a really lovely race. And you get, instead of, a, you get a, you get a medal, but you also get a rose at the end. Like oh, it's cool. very it's, it's great for beginners. And then I was hooked and then I said, okay, now I'm going to do every triathlon. <laughs> and so <laughs> started doing those. Sorry, this is a really long story, but it just sort of builds on. It didn't happen like overnight at all. Mm -hmm. um, moved back to the United States, to Chicago, uh, met a coach in Chicago um, that said he would train me for a half Ironman. Uh, so I did that, and I also signed up for uh, the New York City Marathon. So I was I was signed up, but then I was not 
really prepared for it. I didn't know if I was going to get in because of the lottery. So I deferred it by um, a year. Okay. Um, I did the, the half Ironman and then I went back to Israel. And um, I knew I was going to do, uh, you know, the race. And I had a coach who was, you know, helping me. Um, and then I get a, um, a Facebook message from some guy and it said, I see you're running the New York City Marathon too. And, you know, I was looking for, you know, other Israelis who were going to, to run there. Um, what I didn't know is that what he did was um, basically at the time, I don't know if you can still do this, but you can search the participant list. So okay. you can search by country, by gender, by age, and by location. Okay. Um, and so him and the secretary who was at his company at the time, this was like their idea of like, oh, I'm going to find you, you know, I'm going to find you a wife kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> and they figured, okay, if, if she signed up for the marathon, clearly like she, you know, cares about her fitness. So at least she'll be in good shape. And so they filtered by, you know, Israel. Um, it was, I think he searched like 25 to 29 or something. Okay. Um, female. And then he crossed reference with Facebook to see what everybody looked like. Uh, <laughs> nice that we had Facebook to do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he like, created his own dating like app, basically. Um, and then me and the girl I was training with both got messages from him. Oh, too funny. Yes. And so I asked him, like, do you know who, who this guy is? And she's like, I don't know. He, I just accepted his friend request. Like he said, he's running the race too. So, you know, why not? Um, and then I started chatting with him. At the time I was in um, like Barcelona for vacation for like a month and he was in Miami. And so we just started chatting back and forth. Um, and then when we were both back in Israel, that's when we met. Um, he wanted to go for a run for our first date, and I said no. <laughs> we have to have like let's have a real a real date, and and now we're married with three kids, so that worked out. That is too funny. I love that story and just how yeah. persistent he was too, and, and yeah. how he just kind of went for it, you know. Yeah, when so. stalking goes right. Yeah, totally. And that, you know, date, you know, online dating is pretty popular, but that was, you know, before it became very popular. So mm -hmm. I, I think that just is a neat story. And I, so what was your initial take to that? Like when he messaged you, were you kind of like, okay, whatever? Or did you, I mean, what was your initial reaction? I didn't think about it that much. I was on vacation, so I was only checking my, like, the internet once a day when we came back and it was sort of like fun to chat with him I didn't like read into it too much mm -hmm. um and then when I told him like that we were going to be you know in Barcelona and he was like very very worldly and traveled a lot okay so he gave me a list of like 20 different restaurants and food recommendations for each one and I was just like wow this guy's been <laughs> like he knows how to travel and I love that um yeah. that aspect um because then you know that's something that we love doing together we love traveling we did um the Ironman in in Brazil together and you know obviously the marathons that for us was you know international travel right um so yeah. that's the thing we hope our kids will want to do with us too 
Yeah, that's really neat to be able to have it as a family mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your experience. Um, what did you? What made you decide to move to the U.S.? Was because he wasn't from here either, right? He's from Israel as well. So he's from Israel. Um, after uh, when he was growing up, his family moved to Colombia. Okay. And then when it got dangerous there, they moved to Miami. And ever since then, the whole family has been sort of back and forth, Tel Aviv, Miami. So they're all, you know, also very international. So he um, has lived in the United States. My parents are both American. So they both moved to Israel before I was born. But my extended family lives in the United States. Okay. Um, So we moved to Miami primarily originally because of his job. Um, And then I started working as a consultant in Miami. So that's how, that's how we made the the big move. Okay, very cool. And did that mm-hmm. happen before you ran the New York Marathon, or were you commuting when you ran the mar the, the marathon for the first time? So, so we we came to the U.S. to run the marathon and okay. then came back. So we met before the marathon. We came, we did the marathon, we came back. Um, then separately, it was we weren't even yet engaged, but he told me said, you know, I'm thinking of moving to, to the U.S. Would you come with me? And I said, yes. Um, and a few months later, he proposed. So Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the New York Marathon. It was your first experience. Did it go the way yeah. you expected? Were there any kinks in there? Tell me all about yeah. it. So nothing will ever replace the first marathon feeling that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really, really well prepared. I had um, a coach that was, you know, I basically did exactly what what he told me to do. Um, but you don't have that confidence of, you know, trusting in, in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I did everything like clockwork. And his theory at the time was, he said, let's do this. You'll um, split the race into three, three even sections, like distance sections. The um, the first section, you do um, the slowest, the middle, like faster. So basically, if you say, if your average needs to be X, you'll do, um, you know, I don't know how much faster, but you start off slow, as slow as you're probably going to be the whole race. In the middle, you go faster. And in the end, you end up at the average pace you want to be. And his theory on that was that you're not going to have like all of your energy to run your fastest at the end. In the middle is when you're feeling your best and going from that fast pace to that average pace feels like you're slowing down, but you're actually right where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And um, everything clicked. I mean, you know how it is with marathons, depending on all the conditions, you never know. You could have a day where everything is great and it's perfect. And another day where, you know, it's rainy, and even though you're in the best shape of your life, things just don't work out. Mm-hmm. And this one did work out. So it was my first one. I did a 347, which I was really happy about for my awesome. my first marathon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was just I was you know high the whole time. It's it's such a great race. There's people everywhere. Um, and for us, it was sort of a bigger trip, and we like those destination race, races. Right. Because the whole reason you do the races is also to get, you know, you get a high feeling from it, like you get a good feeling. And when you combine it with like you're in, 
you know, a totally different place and it's all, you know, exciting and big. I mean, I've never been in such a big venue before. All of the races in, in Israel are pretty small. So to see all the like thousands of runners, it's just really overwhelming. So my eyes were like, like that the whole time, like big eyes the whole time, just soaking it all in. So the first one rent went really well. So that always helps when you have a good first experience. Yeah. Uh, you want to keep, keep doing more. <laughs> yes. Yep. And I, I think even when you have a bad experience, it's almost, you still have that taste. You're like, I yeah. need to again, or I need to, I don't know what it is about mm-hmm. that marathon, but you cross that finish line. You're like running the whole time. Like I'm never going to do this again. And then you cross the yeah. finish line and you're like, I think I need to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so I equate it to having a baby. I mean, it's like, after you finished the New York marathon, what, what mm-hmm. time, when did you decide that qualifying for the Boston marathon seemed like a great goal for you? Or when did you decide yeah. that was a dream of yours? So that was pre- that was more recent. So I just kept, I kept doing marathons for fun, just to keep trying to, you know, beat my previous time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't really, you know how sometimes there are things that seem so far away from you that you're not motivated to try to get to them. Like if someone told me you should train for the Olympics, like I would, I would laugh it off. (laughs) That's how I was with the, like the Boston marathon. If I looked at the paces that I needed to do, I would just, you know, it's, it's not achievable. Um, I, I'd say, well, I can't even do a 10 K this at this pace. How am I going to ever do a marathon at this pace? Like it made absolutely no sense. Uh, what changed was a couple of things happened. Um, I started running. Um, well, so I moved to the suburbs and I found out there's this um, neighbor that she also, she ran Chicago a couple of times and we started running together and she was faster than me. So um, I always try to, you know, keep up with her and she talks a lot. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, to talk back to her (laughs) and not just like breathe loudly right next to her because nobody wants that. Um, So there was just all this consistency and her, her mentality was like, like I would, we would text each other in the morning and sometimes like the weather was, you know, in Chicago, it gets, you know, pretty bad. And I'm like a desert person. I'm from Israel. And I'll send her a message like, you know, it's, you know, it's zero degrees. And she's be like, okay, take your hand warmers. Like she, she would never say like, oh, the weather's too bad to run. Like you just have to sort of dress right. And I think that to me was, uh, was good as far as like the training. She had done Boston a few times. And so I started hearing the the stories. Um but I still didn't think I could actually do it. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's a coach I started working with. And I think really the turning point for me uh, was the track workouts. Okay. Um, he had me doing track and once a week I would do the, the speed work. Um, I think that maybe the first few months I failed every single workout. So I literally hit my, my <laughs> the maximum that I could possibly do maximum in speed, maximum in sets. I mean, I would, I, I just couldn't complete the workout as, as he had planned it. Um, and he was always very pleased when this happened. Like for him, it was 
a success of like, he was trying to gauge, okay, where is my, my, my top point where I can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I got to that point, like that gave him a really good indicator of where I was. And that's when you start improving is when you push yourself out of where you're comfortable as far as your, um, your pace. And he started telling me that, you know, he said, well, he asked me, what is, what's, what's my goal for the marathon? And I, you know, the first initial reaction was like, well, I'll, you know, beat my previous time. But then the more I ran with my neighbor, Christy, I felt like, you know, maybe Boston, maybe I'll just, I'll tell him that Boston is my goal. So he feels like I'm, you know, I am striving for that, but it's kind of like the, you know, fake it till you make it. You just once you say it a few times to people, you kind of start to believe that maybe it is something that's, that's possible. Um, and then once you believe it's possible and you go for it once, then it, it boosts your confidence, like even more, especially if you get close to it or you get the feeling like you really could. So it was kind of like once when that gap was too far away, I didn't, I didn't go for it at all. And I didn't, I didn't have the motivation because I didn't hear the stories and how like, you know, I want that experience that I had in the first marathon and I'm not going to get it again. So how can I get something as close as possible to that, um, to do a race that's like as epic as the Boston marathon, um, I think will give me like that, a similar feeling to what I had for that, like first marathon. Um, especially now that I have to wait extra long for it. I'm hoping it'll be that much sweeter. Yeah, because I think it's pretty similar to me because you, you qualified in November 2018. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah. I was October 2018. And so, yeah, okay. I totally feel you going, are we ever going to get there? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> It'll just make it all that much sweeter. And uh, yes. we'll see what we do with it. But um so how many times did it take you to qualify? How many marathons had you run? Um, and then how many marathons did you run to qualify to get there? And I know you have a kind of a cool yeah. uh, story of qualifying, <laughs> not qualifying, yeah. qualifying. So we'll, we'll kind of get there too, but. Yeah. So I, this, the Boston marathon would have been my 10th marathon. So I ran nine marathons before that. Um, but I also did the two Ironmans, so I don't ever count those as marathons because it would be embarrassing. Um, hey, they're marathons in themselves. Um, so I was, I mean, I was always pretty fit once I started doing the Ironmans and it's, that's sort of like a, you know, a way of life. As far as qualifying, I think it was really... There was one year where I had in the back of my mind that I could qualify, but I didn't actually train at the level I should have. I was just sort of very, very hopeful mm-hmm. that it might happen. And I wasn't with the coach yet. And then the year after that, I did Chicago. And I was, um, that was really the, the race I really wanted to, to qualify in. Um, but it was it was not my day. The Chicago Marathon um, last year uh, was very rainy and very humid. Mm. And very early on, I realized that it was just not gonna not gonna happen for me that day. And so it was a little depressing during the race to to realize that. But I just remember feeling the heaviness 
and I mean, my shoes were soaking wet and you just have to, at some point, let it go and say, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run this race for fun and, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually, I did a three, I did three thirty nine forty in Chicago and I needed a three thirty five to qualify. Wow. You were close. So even with, well, I mean, almost five minutes. So still it's, you know, a pretty big gap, but I, I had the feeling that the the race did not represent my fitness at all. Like at that point, I knew that I could have done it. And that really, really bothered me. So, and we we went to have like, you know, the pizza afterwards and everything. Um, and I was talking to um to my husband and and that night we were we were chatting about it. And my coach had made me write down a backup race. I didn't want to do it because in my mind, it's like, well, if you have a backup race, of course, you're not going to do well on your original because you have something to fall back on. But I did it anyway, and it was Indianapolis. And so the night of the Chicago Marathon, um, I spoke to my husband and I decided I'm signing up for Indianapolis, which was a month later. Um, So I signed up. I had a month, basically did exactly what my coach told me, mostly rested did one long-ish run in right in the middle of that month and then taper again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Indianapolis was literally like a business trip. I mean, I, I went there by myself. I got a hotel for one night, um, the night before the race, mm-hmm. um, drove over there, slept there, had my pasta dinner by myself, in my room, like it was a no distraction, no frills kind of thing. Um, the weather was perfect. The conditions were perfect. And I had like, I had space in, in Chicago and all the big races. What you love about it is, you know, there's a ton of people and excitement and all of that. But I can tell you that in Chicago towards the end with the rain and everything, if another person, like if I had to read another one of those signs or hear another cowbell, I felt like I was just going to lose it. It's like when when everything's great and things are going great, it motivates you. But for me specifically, <laughs> um, in that race with the rain, it didn't. And Indianapolis was just like wide open spaces. I could, you know, I could get to my pace and keep it because I had I didn't have to zigzag around everybody and just everything worked out perfectly that day for me. And so I finished with 328. So I qualified by, you know, seven minutes. Yeah. The the difference, I mean, between rain, like bad conditions and good conditions was, you know, a 339 to a 328, which is huge. Yeah. But I feel like once you know, like from your, you know, from your training, what your result is going to be, nothing is surprising. I mean, I would do my long runs at a pretty fast pace. Um which I had never done before. I used to do long runs, you know, a lot slower and more cautious. And my coach was like, you can't do a long run slowly and expect to be fast in the, in the race. Mm -hmm. You have to train for what you're, for what you're racing. And so uh, that was a really hard part of the training was just getting in the long runs. But once, but then I knew exactly how my race was going to go because if the conditions were good because I had trained those long runs at those paces already yeah that makes sense it's it is huge on race day 
and sometimes we beat ourselves up for these things, but we really can't control what the weather is going to look like. We can't control what the crowd's going to look like or what our, even what our body is going to do, because sometimes we just are going to physically cramp mm-hmm. or there's going to be issues that we didn't know we'd have. We didn't have yeah. the training. And then we beat ourselves up for mm-hmm. it and are like, we had such a, I had a terrible race. I'm never going to do it. But that's not true because mm-hmm. then the next race, like you had Chicago was terrible, but Indiana was perfect conditions. I mean, everything lined yeah. up. So sometimes it's hard because we're training, you know, 18 to 20 weeks for this race that we don't know what it's going to be like. But like yeah. you said, we know what we did in training. So we know what we're capable of. And so I love mm-hmm. that you decided to go and do it again um, and to beat that so that you could know that you could do it, you did it, and why yeah. not do it with that training instead of waiting mm-hmm. and doing a new cycle when you don't know, okay, injury could come or whatever it is, um, do it while you know you're physically ready. Yeah. And Did it feel weird to have only a month in between? Have you ever done that before with a marathon? So I did do it before, um, not for PR though. I did, um, I did Chicago and New York. Uh, so the second time I did New York, I did, um, I got into Chicago too. So I'm not going to like give up going, <laughs> doing Chicago um, or New York. So me and my husband, we did um, Chicago. And then a month later we did New York. So I had done it before, but it's, it's different when you're doing it to improve. So it's funny, actually, that I did um, the, first, the Chicago when I did it um, a month before New York that's the one where I sort of wanted to qualify for Boston, but didn't really train for it as much. Um, and then um, in New York, we said, okay, we're just running for fun. Like, and me and my husband ran the whole thing together. And I did a 347, which is exactly what I did on my very first <laughs> marathon, um, just like running and, and chatting. Um, so I'd, I had done it before. It's so important to have someone tell you <laughs> what to do. Right. Um, because your goal is a not to get injured number one not to get injured um especially if you're going for a pr like if you start a race injured you just know from the get-go that you know it's not going to happen and then knowing how to rest and eat right and drink right like it it just becomes critical in a condensed amount of time Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit, just about how you had a coach and you had somebody to be able to speak into Mm -hmm. your training and your goals and how that differs from other races that you might have done. Or even because it sounded Mm -hmm. like you had a coach in the beginning, too, when you ran your first marathon. What was the difference? I think every coach has their own kind of philosophy Mm -hmm. and um, you change as you sort of continue doing races, you change, too. And so a lot of it is finding the right, the right fit. Um, I can tell you that now, okay, I'm going to be, you know, 38 in, in August. My body is definitely not the same as it was. Um, I think I'm a lot stronger than I was before, but I'm also a lot smarter with my training and my nutrition than I was before. Mm. Um, so my coach now, and this is um, a concept that I had never sort of thought of because I was always like, go, go, go you know, get as much, you know, miles as I can get. And I was very focused on, you know, hitting my, my numbers. Mm -hmm. And with this coach, it was like, the workouts were really, really hard. But um, 
I never worked out two days and I never ran two days in a row. So he always told me, look, if you, if the conditions aren't good for your workout, like if you're not feeling good in the morning or you went out and you drank the night before or whatever it is, if you're not feeling like you'll complete the workout a hundred percent, just take a day off, do it tomorrow. Like trying for him, like just going out and trying or just, you know, going for like a fun run was like, didn't count for him. For him, it was like, make every workout. And he was right. Like when you're, when you have kids, like, you know, you don't have time. Every workout has to make you faster, make you better. And it could be that making your, making you better is, it could be a mental thing too, right? Maybe running makes you feel good just mentally and gives you a break from what's going on, whatever the reason is or whatever the goal is. Um, you have to like cater to that and having that day of rest in between, even though sometimes it was hard because I, I did want to run and, you know, my neighbor was going for a run and I wanted to run with her. So there's like the social part of it too. Um, but he incorporated speed work into every workout and I would finish the workout just completely depleted. But then the next day was complete rest. And I think that philosophy helped me improve. And I, when I, for qualifying for Boston, I ran three times a week. I did not run more than that. So it clearly worked, especially with, you know, my age and my, my fitness. It was just um, avoiding injury is one of the biggest, the biggest concern. But yeah. Yeah. And isn't mm-hmm. that interesting? I think if, if you were to have coached yourself, would you have ever thought I can only, I only need to run three days a week? No, I would have, you know, downloaded the, a generic Boston marathon thing and, um, and that probably would have been it. So for me, that was a huge change of, of pace. And also the, not the, the psychology of not being able to complete a workout of having, you know, 12 sets and being able to complete only 10 or only five. I had workouts where, you know, it was just, it's just too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I talked to my coach and we always, you know, change and adapt to things, but he always made sure that the, the workouts were at the upper level of my, you know, of my fitness ability. And that's the only way to get faster. Like, right. there's no way around it. You have to like push yourself to your highest heart rate, to your fastest speed to make the gains that you want to. So, Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I I think is important about a coach because they will push you past the limit that you think you're capable of or the limit that you want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. You're right. We have to push ourselves out of that comfort zone in order to get better. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I am a coach, but I still hire a coach because I can't coach myself nearly as well as someone else can coach me. And so Mm -hmm. I always think that coaches are invaluable for those reasons. And, um, you know, and then the mental side, just the fact that they're going to push that mentality or that uh, mm-hmm. mental toughness because your workout is putting you to the edge. I think that's really, really cool and powerful because it really mm-hmm. does change us. And I think it changes us more than just in our running. Um, we can kind of use it yeah. in our everyday lives. And so I think having a coach is super powerful. Now I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the struggles of your training, qualifying for boxing, and a lot of it um, comes with the fact that we're mom, 
and trying mm -hmm. to find yeah. the time to train and to be able to do everything for us, but be able to do for our kids what they need too. So um, let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about your journey through finding. Yeah. So I think it helps. It helps when you start um, running or exercising before you have kids because um, you get it's it's part of your your life and you're excited to get back to it. Um, I can tell you I ran I ran one half marathon when I was uh, a half Ironman when my son when I was three months pregnant and a full marathon in Disney when I was five months pregnant. So I had always I had. I kept running uh, throughout, um, but I think, I mean, with kids, it's it's challenging the most when they're when they're small. I mean, you, there's no way to go around it. The first, you know, ten years of your your kid's life are super demanding, um, and so you have to be able to work around it. Um, I mean, I'm lucky that my husband also runs and so we can alternate, but it's definitely challenging. I would have to say the most, the most challenging, I, I guess, race I had, um, cause you know, it's when you have that like type A personality, you just, you're always signing up for something, even when you probably shouldn't and you should probably be waiting. Um, I had, I just had my son. And I signed up for a half marathon. I always, I always waited the full six weeks after having a baby to even start going back. And I gained so much weight with every kid that it took a while to get back to any kind of normal pace. Okay. Um, but the, the whole breastfeeding and baby part and running was just really, really hard. Um, and there was a race in Chicago and I didn't realize you had to take like bus to the start of the race and I actually did the, it was a half marathon I did it with my mom um and my plan was I was like okay I'm gonna wake up in the morning I'm gonna feed my baby then I'm gonna pump and then I'm gonna go do the race and everything's gonna be perfect it'll be my my comeback after having a kid and I had this like perfect idea of how things were gonna go uh one ended up happening was uh we woke up we realized we actually had to take a bu the bus there we realized this in the morning um so i didn't have time to feed my baby i didn't have time to pump and uh got straight on the bus so i was really full even before like even before the race started and so i ran the race with my mom thankfully i sweat enough that nobody realized that you know <laughs> i i was leaking the whole race but um, I did like I, every baby that I heard crying. I was I was about to steal someone's baby. Like that's how bad. <laughs> like I was about to run up to a spectator and steal their baby just to like give you some, some sort of relief. Right. Um, and, I th and that I think was the hardest, you know, for me. Because even when you're running pregnant, it's you have to be very careful and cautious and everything. But it's still just you. You don't have anything external like that. And this was, you know there's so many things that have to fall into place. And I think I learned there that really it's best to sort of take your time when you're going back. Like there's plenty of it. I mean, and I've had three kids and every time I had a, I was pregnant, I gained like 50 to 55 pounds. And then, it, you know, that's not all baby. It all had to come back off. And I think just being 
patient and having that confidence that, you know, you've lost the weight before, you've gone back to running before, you can do it again. You know, it's part of who you are versus something that you do, I think, is kind of the mental state that you need. Um, now the kids are older, so it's definitely easier and um, I have help. And so that's, I mean, I basically um, joined the, the au pair program um, so, that, so that I could uh, work out because my husband traveled a lot. So um, that to me was a lifesaver because I have, you know, three kids. Um, my au pair lives with us. She starts every day at six so that I could work out. Um, it worked out kind of perfectly. So I'm really, I mean, I'm lucky in, in a lot of ways. I know there are moms that are very um, challenged as far as finding the time to work out. But I feel like now it's starting to get really fun because my kids who have been watching me this whole time are now really interested in it. So my son rides bikes with me. We, he rides in the basement with me. Um, he'll, he'll, um, if I go for a run, he can ride his bike next to me. So I think there's this like evolution that if you just sort of stick to it, even though it's hard with the timing and you wake up early and you're tired and all of those things together, it really pays back later when, you know, you can go for a pretty fast run and your kid can keep up on the bike. And it's, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And that's so true because I think it's important for us as moms to be able to show our kids either how to be healthy or how to be successful or whatever it is. And to just model for them, the things that we want to mm -hmm. be important to them as well. And, yeah. and usually that is kind of the case. They usually do want to take along or yeah. do what mommy's doing or whatnot. And so I mm. love that. And how, how old are your kids? Uh, eight, six and four. Yeah. So they're right there mm -hmm. in those impressionable ages. And the nice thing, I mean, yeah is a really big stepping stone because eight, they're starting to be a little bit more independent or want to be. And I'd say it gets even mm -hmm. more life-changing when they're, they turn nine or 10 and you really can leave them by themselves for a yeah. little before they can babysit. And man, cause that's the season mm -hmm. I'm in and it's so different than the season I was in a lot yeah. when I started running because I did start running. Um, I actually started running in college a little bit but I didn't really get into mm -hmm. racing until after I had my second child. So I started right in the midst of babies and yeah, really hard place to start. But when you don't know any different, I guess it, it works yeah. out. <laughs> but it is so well, the nice. Like I'm, out, I'm going out the door. Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing, right? At least when you're out running after you've had kids, especially when they're little, you know, no one's crying. Like you are guaranteed you know, an hour or however long you're out where no one's going to bother you. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the biggest selling point. No one really talks about. <laughs> right. I, well, and that's the thing. That's the, it's my, I always tell people it's my peaceful. Yeah. They're like, how is running mm -hmm. peaceful? I'm like, you're by yourself. You can throw on your music or a yeah. podcast. You can just take in nature and get sun. I mm -hmm. mean, what more do you want? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Mm -hmm. So do you think you, do you think any of your kids are going to take to running or I know you talked um, about I think so. Yeah. I think they all will to some degree. Um, my son is by far the most right now into all of this stuff. I think he'll start doing triathlons too. Okay. Um, just triathlons for kids are just, it incorporates, it's so diverse and there's always something going on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we have run like a 5K together and he loves the, the atmosphere. Um, he's like the first one, like if they're doing a warm up dance for all of the, you know, we did a turkey trot and they did this warm up dance. He was like out there, like doing the dance. Like he loves the whole, like everything around it. Um, and I wasn't planning on taking him to Boston with me. It was going to be like a more solo thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he did ask me, um, I think like last week we were talking about Boston and he asked if he could come when I do go. So it could be something that we incorporate that he come watch. So we'll see. That's super cool. That's super Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. My first Boston, because this will be my second. Um, but Mm -hmm. my first one, it was just me and my husband. We did like a date weekend, you know, and, and and my kids were younger. So I'm excited to bring my whole family this next time, as long mm-hmm. as it happens, yeah. um, then so they can experience it too. But I kind of wanted to experience it first. And then, so I think that's really cool. If you, I think he will just love it. Mm-hmm. it yeah. It's cool. It's a very cool accomplishment for the kids to see their parents accomplishing a dream, mm-hmm. you know, and they like, yeah. it's a victory for them as well. And that's, that's the neat part of the experience. So let's talk a little bit about um, Boston 2020. So you qualified back in November, 2018. So it was like a year and a half waiting for Boston. You trained for Boston. Um, Mm -hmm. And then obviously with COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything going on, uh, it got postponed at first. So, and we'll talk a little bit about the postponement too, but, um, and then in September, it's supposed, it was supposed to be September 14th of this year but Mm -hmm. it finally canceled. So what were your initial emotions or reactions to it actually officially canceling for this year? So after, after they postponed, I sort of knew it was going to get canceled. Um, I think for me, the moment of realization was more that postponing it. Uh, To me, that was the, to me, that was basically the cancellation. Um, and at first, it was strange because I started getting like all these text messages from all from you know my neighbor and her running friends, and you know asking me like how I'm doing. And um, I think it was just it, the thing is it wasn't Boston in isolation, right? It was everything that was going on together. So all the things that you're looking forward to are canceled all at once. So it's hard to isolate Boston as kind of one mm-hmm. event that I feel like was kind of the the pinnacle or like the ultimate, you know, cancellation that nobody wanted to happen, but it was happening everywhere. So you had no sort of like consolation prize. It's not like, oh, this is canceled, but we're still, you know, going to the Grand Canyon. Like there's nothing, there's nothing to look forward to. So I think that's what made it especially hard. Um, I hadn't yet gotten to the point where I was training. Um, I mean, I was training for it, but I didn't do a lot of like really long runs beforehand. And I just, I mean, I continued, but I knew that it was, I mean, you, you had to just look at other countries to see what was going to happen. So it was pretty obvious to me um, just looking at Europe. And I mean, I work with a lot of, you know, international winemakers and um and my au pairs from Italy and just talking to her and watching the news it was I mean the writing was on the wall right right. I tried to stay optimistic if you looked in the Boston group at the time Mm -hmm. people were you know 
know, they didn't want anyone to be negative. Um, but in the end, the negative ones were the more realistic, <laughs> the more realistic ones. So it was depressing. I tried to change my mindset around it. Um, you know, go for easy, fun runs and, you know, obviously keep running. Like there's no, there's no way that was ever going to stop, but running for fun and not, you know, pushing myself too much. Um, plus they closed the track. So (laughs) I did hop the fence the the first, the first day they closed the track, I hopped the fence and, um, (laughs) and and then the campus police, it was like on a, um, like a, a high school campus, they like kicked me out. Uh, it's like everything was closing on me. Um, but I think I'm, I'm reframing it in my mind is first of all, I'm so, so happy that my qualifying time still counts. The thought of having to like qualify again and then waiting and then doing it is just like, it, it's a lot, it's a lot of time. Um, so I'm really happy about that. And right now I'm thinking about it as like, I qualified once and I'm basically going to get two medals. I'm going to do the virtual race and get my 2020 medal. Right. <laughs> That's going to be a historic one. And then I'll use my same qualifying time for, for 2021. And then I'll get to have that, that real experience. Cause for me, the marathon is for like for the experience. So anything virtual to me is, in um, it's something else. I mean, that's not what I want to do. I love racing because I love the crowds and I love the travel there and I love the excitement and all that stuff that you just you just don't get in a virtual race. I'd rather not do it, say, like, accept that it's not going to happen and reframe my mind around next year and my upcoming goals. Right. Yeah, no, I hear you too. It's the same. <laughs> virtual. I just don't have that adrenaline either. And I like having a time goal. I like having, or something, something to look forward to virtual. That's just not Mm -hmm. the case for me. I'm like, it's just a pleasure run if I'm going to do it. Yeah. So so what, what made you decide? Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and run this virtual Boston. I think for me, it was mainly the metal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I feel like at this point and sort of like my my run career, if you can call it that, um, is that I could wake up tomorrow and run the marathon distance. There's, you know, and I could finish it with a smile on my face and, you know, be perfectly happy. And I'll, you know, if I even do it the most relaxed possible, it'll take me, you know, less than four hours. So I'm pretty confident in myself and just knowing the distances that I've done that I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's just, the mainly the medal and the t-shirt but it's also knowing that sort of 2020 is is kind of a historic year in the Boston Marathon um and you get that I mean I ordered the the jacket pretty early on yeah me too <laughs> um <laughs> been sitting there forever <laughs> yeah I know so um I just feel like I want to I'd still be able to say that, you know, I did it for me. It's not like I knew that getting into the marathon, I would finish the marathon. It's not that I wouldn't finish for me. The whole, like, um, you know, wearing something, if you've done it is more like if it's something you've never done, like no one's going to get an Ironman tattoo. If you haven't done an Ironman, like that is a distance and a whole different ball game. But like, I mean, anyone who's qualified for Boston knows they're going to finish the race like they are capable of finishing that distance so I don't think it's a question of 
of if. Um, so it's to say that I, you know, I did the 2020 marathon and um, I'll probably do it. My husband's actually running an ultra at the same time. So I probably have to run like 50 kilometers anyways to help him out at night because that's the that's the good wife that I am <laughs> um <laughs> that is really nice of you so um so I probably will just sort of use that and have a good you know a good many hours to talk and chat with my husband <laughs> yeah hey, and motivate him yes and I'm signed up for Chicago and I don't think that will happen either so <laughs> yeah with everything going on in Chicago, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think a lot of I, I'm pretty certain that any big marathon this fall will get canned. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe not. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm hopeful that race season will come back <laughs> and that Boston 2021 will happen. Um, and thankfully, I mean, you have a seven minute buffer, so. Mm -hmm. I, I was trying to calculate. It's really hard to calculate what's the buffer going to need to be, but it was really yeah. small this year for, for 2020. It was like a minute and 39. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't imagine it being much more than a few minutes. Um, so I'm, I wish that they would have been able to defer all of us. I mean, that would have been obviously, yeah. ideal. <clears throat> mm -hmm. but uh, the fact that you have a seven minute buffer means that you will most likely be at that starting line on in 2020. Yeah which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I was looking forward to the one and only fall Boston, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that too. Like this is an <laughs> epic year. Like we got, <laughs> now we're in the fall, but there is something about doing <laughs> it on Patriots day too. So um, yeah, now, when it came to 2020, this was your first Boston uh, that you would have been running. What would have made it kind of a victory run for you? Or actually, come 2021, why will this be your victory run when you yeah. get to? So there's always like that. Um, sometimes you have these goals that you don't want to say out loud because you're afraid that because they're too out there. Mm -hmm. And for me, like in the back of my head, I think, well, what can I what will make this you know race be amazing other than just doing it? And to me, that would be like qualifying for Boston in Boston but I don't think I can actually do it because <laughs> when talking to like my, you know, people who've done it, it's a race that does require experience with that race. And um, just because the, the conditions are so, you know, versatile year over year, the, you know, the, the uphill, the downhills, it's very to, to train for. Um, in the right way and it can throw you curveballs and I know this from my neighbors so even though kind of in the back of my head it's I'm thinking that but then I want to say like I want to get I want to get my like my my money's worth right like I worked so hard to get into this why not just run it for fun and just take it all in that's what I'd really be getting like the experience that I worked so hard for like I'd really be getting it then because then I wouldn't be focused on like you know my time and you know and just you know beating myself up or doing anything like that I'd be literally doing it for fun and soaking up all of the crowds and like you know the the signs and the people and um so I'm kind of in between those two mindsets of like do I really go for it just so that I could say I qualified for Boston in Boston <laughs> which is pretty cool. I don't 
which is cool, but um, but then there's a risk that that doesn't happen and that's a big risk. Or do I say like, you know what? I've worked for it. This is like a first marathon, right? The first marathon, you want to enjoy yourself. You want to have a great time. You want to you know, feel all the feelings that you're supposed to be feeling, which is the original reason I wanted to do Boston. So I'm leaning towards just, you know, go and do my best and enjoy the city and what I worked hard for. Um, I'm not going to the Olympics. I'm not, you know, this isn't my career. So at some point you have to put things in perspective and say, you know, this is only a race you can do by qualifying. And I did that. So maybe I should just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that's a good perspective to say, I mean, we always, especially as achievers, uh, Boston qualifiers, we all, we, we have goals, we're goal oriented. And so mm-hmm. it's hard not to have a big goal at Boston. And I can tell you yeah. my experience, I did that the first time and uh, it did not go the way I wanted. It was a hot, it was a hot Boston, but mm-hmm. I, that's why I wanted to go back because I said, I want to experience it. I really want to take everything mm-hmm. in instead of, because I was just in misery while I was running it. Yeah. So <laughs> um, so this is my redemption one where I'm just going to go enjoy it too. And yeah. so there's value, there's valor in both, you know, there's value mm-hmm. to having that goal at Boston, but also just to take it in. So it'll be fun to see what you decide right. with it and, yeah. uh, you know, all that good stuff. So if um, something I like to end our conversations on is, uh, is something for the listeners. So we'll talk about running in general. So let's say it's somebody who's trying, who wants to get to do their first marathon, or maybe they want to hit their first BQ and they just have these struggles. Um, what is one mm-hmm. piece of advice you'd have for um, my listeners in how to, how, how to overcome those uh, either mental blocks or just those barriers that are kind of getting in the way of them going after it? I think um, as far as mental barriers, I would say sometimes you just need someone else to break them for you mm-hmm. and then it opens up everything. And so it's hard to say for each individual person what that might be, but I think, and also you meet people along the way and they change the way you think about things. And I think part of, I think the biggest thing I would say is like, enjoy the journey because a that's a long time or here in this case even longer than I thought but if you're not enjoying the journey I don't think it's it's worth the effort you should be able to I mean I saw kinds of posts on the Boston group about people who were like not very happy about running um I think you have to just love running first of all before you even think about you know trying to achieve goals it has to be something that you wake up really, really wanting to do every day. Um, you don't have to do it every day, but you still have to have that, you know, it has to be fun. It has to be something that you like doing. And then you can layer on the, the, the achievements. But I think having that, you know, be something that you love to do, that's what's going to get you to push yourself further and further. Um, and if you don't want to push yourself further, then I don't think that people should. <laughs> Um, it's, it's so individual unless this is your job. There's really nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with also just, you know, running for fun and doing marathons. Some people go the, their goals are distance. You know, if you're not a fast runner, maybe distance is your thing. 
You know, maybe you want to find ultra marathons. If it's not, if running isn't exciting enough, maybe you want triathlons, adding in swimming and biking, and then there's a whole culture that comes along with it. I think finding that journey in your path and trying different things, I think is what sort of leads you to your, to your goal. Um, and everyone has a different goal. So don't be tempted to do other people's goals. Yeah. <laughs> really try to think if that's really something that, you know, will make you happy and make you feel accomplished and um, not do it just because you feel like it's the next sort of logical step. Yeah, that is, that is truth right there. It's, it is very individual and it's very, your goal needs to be your goal because it has to be something that gets you out the door and you don't want to be waking up in misery to it. You should be waking up joyful to go after it. So that's, I love that. And I love Mm -hmm. that you kind of have that, that uh, focus where it's like, I'm doing what my coach says, because I think it's important to have that one voice speaking into your life and that you're not going to 500 different places to look for things or, oh, this is the new thing. This is the new latest, greatest thing. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Oh no, I have to go. And you're on these rabbit trails. It's so much more important yeah. to have that one voice so that they can help yeah. things and they can help you adjust and they know exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it. So mm-hmm. I think uh, kudos to you yeah. on that, because I think that's really, really important. <laughs> And that's probably yeah. you in the long run. Well, I tell my coach, if I succeed or fail, it's your doing. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else going on between what you give me and what I do. So if I can't do it, something, a workout that you give me, it's because I legitimately, it's not possible. <laughs> right, right. And then he just has to tweak it. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> Well, Anad, it was really, really great to have this conversation with you. I appreciate you coming on here and sharing, and I look forward to seeing you at Boston 2021. So, All right. Well, catch up for a, what is it, the Boston beer? Is that what you're supposed to drink after? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not really a big beer drinker, so I don't ever get to do that, but yes. All right. Wine. <laughs> yeah, better. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me on. This was so much fun. Yes. Have a great day. Wasn't that fun? I just loved sitting with Anat and talking about her running journey. I love how everyone's journey is different, yet we do have similar goals and the fact that we want to become better as people or as runners, and we want to hit these goals. And a lot of it does come from us wanting to show our kids and model for our kids how to succeed or how to be healthy or how to have a passion. And I just love hearing that from others. I hope you had a good time today. I know I did, and I'm really looking forward to the next interviews that are coming soon here. Something I love talking about with Anat was how a coach helped her to do the training that she wanted and to push her to a new level. And I think that's so important for us to think about that and to be able to let somebody else come in and invest in their life and to be that coach for them, to be able to see what you may not see. And I know I've had a coach in the past. I have coaches when I have running goals, even though I am a run coach. So I understand the value of having a coach. I'm super excited to announce that I've started doing some group coaching where I take you from the beginning of your goal, help you work on that goal setting and get to the point where you can crush that goal. It's a 12 week program using the Red Hot formula. 
And if you're interested in finding out more about it, you can just head on over to www.redhotmindset.com slash group coaching. I would love to see you in there. I believe in you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast and helping it reach the listeners who would love to add it to their library. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. If you're not a part of the free Red Hot Winners online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you go after your biggest goals. And we can continue today's conversation over there. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.